Let's go on to the Word of God. It is called Getting Ready for Lent, and this is the conclusion of Part 2. I started Part 2 last week, but I ran out of time. Psalm 15. Psalm 15. Psalm 15. Again, Psalm 15. And you know what it says? Lord, who shall dwell in your sanctuary, who will live on your holy hill, he who walk, whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Getting ready for Lent. Uh, this lesson um, concludes I pick up at verse 3 in a minute. But uh, last week, remember, I, I, I declared that Lent is a spiritual exercise. It's a spiritual journey. It's for spiritual travelers. It's for those who have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say relationship. I told us last week that um, I wasn't allowed into the hospital room of a church member because the family had posted a Jack Lake sign that said immediate family only, no other visitors. Uh, yes, it was a homemade Jack Lake sign because no hospital uses the term immediate family. That's a black folk term. Uh, so I knew right off the bat that the family had posted it. That's been 36 years ago. And 36 years later, the Holy Ghost has brought it back to my remembrance at Lent. You have to be related by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to get the spiritual blessings of Lent. Lent is for immediate family only. No other visitors. Lent is for those who have the Lord in their lives. The psalm paints a picture of a person who is coming into the Lord's house, who shall abide in thy tabernacle, the Lord's presence. And the psalmist wants that person to consider and think about their motives, their mindset, their mannerisms. Just anybody 
could not come into the tabernacle, into the holy presence. Moses and Joshua and the priests all agreed upon preparation. Uh, throughout the Old Testament, you'll hear the phrase, sanctify yourself, clean yourself, make yourself ready to come before the Lord. And here we are, the New Testament benefactors. We're privileged beyond Moses and Joshua and those old priests, prophets, and patriarchs. Because we've been cleansed, hallelujah, sanctified by the precious blood of the Lamb. His name is Jesus. Not not a ram, not a bullock, not a dove. So doesn't it reason that the moral, holy principle and standards would be no less for us, the New Testament people? So here it is, you know, immediate family. Relationship has rules. Uh, uh, last week I said relationship has, uh, what? Restrictions. And relationship has rewards. Somebody say that. Relationship has rules, uh, restrictions, and rewards. And, and that's, that's the, Thoughts that the Holy Ghost bring to me from Psalm 15. Last week we focused on our walk with integrity, our works of righteousness, and then I concluded by saying something about our words. You know, we got to speak the truth from our heart. That's verses 1 and 2. Old folks used to remind us, say what you mean and mean what you say. Speak the truth in love. Don't rake anybody over the coals, but lift them up with our words. And so this matter of words uh, must be real critical. Uh, because it continues in verse 3. And again, I remind us, this is for us spiritual kinfolk, those of us who are relatives to Jesus. Read that passage sometime in, what is it, Mark 3, where the biological uh, kin of Jesus were trying to pull rank and say, your mama's outside. She wants you to come here. And Jesus drops a bomb. Read it in Mark 3. He said, who is my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my sister? It's those who do my father's will. So you can be blood kin and still not kin. Hallelujah. So uh, these words are for spiritual kinfolk. 
Uh, and it goes on in verse 3, picking up where I left off. It says, who shall abide in his presence? Who who has the privilege of this spiritual journey? The one who does not backbite with his tongue. Our new international version uses the word slander. And it carries the idea to wander about on the tongue. It pictures one who walks here and there, pouring out verbal venom and poisoning others behind their backs, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man. That's the one that we're trying to be as we walk this 40-day journey. We're trying to be careful uh, that we do not spread false reports. Exodus 23, 1, that we do not help a wicked person by being a malicious witness. We're not going to gang up on another person just because somebody else uh, is pushing us to. Because, listen, we're in relationship with Jesus, and there are some rules that have restrictions. So, during Lent, don't allow anybody to loop you in on their loose lip campaign. My God, I can't wait to reprint this in a future book. Don't allow anybody to loop you in on their loose lip campaign. We're immediate family. This is Lent, and Lent, Lent is about our lips. No loose lips. Keep them tight. Speak what's right. I just made a little rhyme, didn't I? Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let others, uh, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Immediate family rule. If we cannot say anything good about a person, then what did mom and papa tell us? We won't say anything at all. Hallelujah. Who told us anyhow that we had to have a comment on everything? Even when some of what we hear is true, if it is damaging, we will not spread it. Verse 4 speaks about the maintenance of standards in company we keep almost like hanging with the devils all week long and then dragging into the sanctuary on the Lord's Day to take a breather and a rest. That is not Lent. During Lent, we cultivate compatible Christian camaraderie. Verse 4 says, 
we will despise a vile person, uh, a person who who disrespects God and spiritual things. Can I ask you a question? Who's your BFF, your Betsy's, Besties? They should be saved. It cannot be those who dishonor and disrespect God and spiritual things. If you're on this spiritual journey of Lynn and your immediate family, uh, your BFF can't be the biggest devil and hell raisers in the office, in the block, in your house. So some of us may be overdue in Lent to adjust our alliances. So your best friend, your most frequent crew, loves Jesus. Lent is a great time to ease away if you can't get them into your spiritual family. They want to drag you out on Friday and Saturday night, but they don't want to get up and come with you to church on Sunday. Hello. Then the last part of verse 4, the King James Version says, Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? It's the one who swears even to his own hurt. And changeth not. If we promise to do something and it turns out it will be to our own hurt, nevertheless, keep the engagement. God takes serious broken vows. God takes serious broken promises. Once your word goes forth, you got to follow up because it prevents the label of liar and unreliable from being tagged on you. So, say this. I will hurt me before I hurt you. So let's see what the rules and restrictions in the relationship are thus far. Uh, worship, walk, words, witness, work, and finally, wealth. There's that money piece. It says in the psalm, Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who will dwell in the holy hill? It's the one who lends his money without usury and doesn't accept a bribe against the innocent. Uh, making a loan so hard to repay, that ain't right, y'all. Uh, that word usury is translated interest. The Israelites were prohibited from charging excessive interest rates uh, because they're all covenant brothers. And every now and then, someone's crop or herd didn't do well one season. 
and another one's really prospered. So the profitable would help tie over the unprofitable. That's the brotherly thing to do. But you don't kick a person when he or she is down and having a tough time. So the verse says to be light is to be right. Remember Jesus whipped out the money changers because they were tipping the scales and charging exorbitant rates to exchange currency to Jewish coins. So we do not rip people off in church, in business, or in our transactions. How dare you come lift up holy hands or lay a dollar on the altar and you've cheated somebody or overcharged somebody uh, on this spiritual journey of Lent. Uh, immediate family members, those who are blood kin to Jesus, we don't do stuff like that because the Lord has his eyes on our money. And if we help someone who is between blessings, because if you're a child of God, you ain't broke, you're just between blessings. When we help someone who's between blessings, it's like making a, a loan to the Lord. And let me ask you this. Would you charge the loan? Would you charge the Lord interest? So we've come to the end of Psalm 15. He sums it up that the one who does all of these things, governs and guides and, and grooms his or her relationship because he or she loves the Lord, that person shall never be shaken. The King James Version says, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. You know, God will not fail us. Even if we fumble, and we will, God will not let us fall. Even if we slip, and we will, God will yet support us. So I want to encourage you, go ahead for the next 39 days of Lent. Work, work on your worship. Work on your walk. Work on your words. Uh, work on your wealth. Because we have the promise of his presence on this journey. And listen, I'll risk the absence of a few people, but I need the presence of the Lord. Immediate family only. No visitors allowed. And this is the word of faith which I teach this evening. Amen. Amen. Amen.